Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. But we want to we want to talk to you on a, a thought of what's uh, making you move, and so we're going to read the uh, entire chapter of Exodus 14, right? Yes. And so it's a lot of reading, but 31 verses, and it's a, a lot of difficult words in those verses. So Heather's going to read it to us today, uh, so I don't have to st- stumble over those words. So if y'all know how these are actually supposed to be said, I'm sorry because I'm fairly certain I'm going to butcher them. Um, But starting in Romans 14, or (laughs) Exodus 14, my bad. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Heroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. Sorry, that was distracting me. Before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea beside Piharoth before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness? And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night." 
Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took all their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. They testified against themselves. That was awesome. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt, so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So Lord, thank you for your word and just bless this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, today we want to talk to you about the thought of what's making you uh, move. And uh, we've talked a uh, little bit about Moses here and there, and, and uh, we've gotten into a lot of these things, and this all really goes back to something that we've talked about quite a bit here and probably been talking about for eight, eight to ten years, and that's changing the way that we think, uh, changing what, the way that we've been programmed to think, the way we've always uh, heard things or been told things, not not to you know dishonor the past. We always want to honor the past, but at the same time, allowing the Spirit to speak to us uh, today and God to reveal things to us uh, for our for ourselves. Uh, see, there's a lot more to a lot of stories than just what you've always heard or even what you've always read for yourself. You have to be open to what God is wanting to show you. And there's a lot more to this story of the children of Israel than just. After 400 years of bondage, they just decide one day, hey, why don't we just leave and be free? There's more to it than that. And we always think about their actions. We don't really think about what might have been going on in their mind and in their perspective and the way that they were thinking. Because with the children of Israel being in slavery and bondage for 400 years, it would seem to be a little far-fetched that they would just up and decide to leave Egypt. I mean, put yourselves in their shoes. All that they ever knew was being a slave. They didn't know anything different. Their parents, their grandparents, that's all that they had ever known. There were multiple generations of slaves who had never lived a life outside of the four walls of the city or their own chains. Imagine what it would have been like if they had just left without Moses there to guide them. They would have been really unprepared. They would have run back scared. They wanted to run back even with Moses if they would have just jumped out on their own. It just would have ended up horribly. And this is what happens when we jump into things before we're ready. That... We probably, a few of us have done that. Yeah, all of us can remember a time when we jumped into something we weren't ready for. Most of us can at least uh, remember when we thought our parents knew nothing and that we had it all figured out. And then not long after we moved out, we realized how intelligent our parents were and uh, how, how good our mom's cooking was. But uh, we, all, we all have done it in some way, whether it's on the job or whether it's in, you know, in some form of life. Um, actually, when, um, 
Heather and I first got married, um, she thought that she had jumped into something she wasn't ready for. I did. Believe it I or not, she did. thought that. But uh, this was about five days after we got married. It didn't take long. I have that effect on people. Um, I come home from work, and uh, let's see, we got married on a Friday. So this is like Wednesday or Thursday. And... Uh, and we didn't go. We didn't go on a honeymoon immediately. So I had I had to work Friday until lunchtime. I got off at lunchtime and we got married, and then I had to be back at work on Monday. So probably Wednesday or Thursday, I get home from work, and uh, Heather's in the bathroom sitting on the tub, sitting on the side of the tub, and she's like this. And I walk in. I was like, "What's wrong? Is everything right?" And she's. <laughs> You know when you can't, the nothing's coming out, but they're talking? So I like lean in, and I'm like, what? I said, what are you trying to say? I'm, she said, I'm leaving. I said, it's only been five days. What? How are you already, I've, I've got to leave. I said, well, where are you going? I'm going to my mom's. I said, for what are you going to your mom's for? I gotta go. I said you can't go to your mom's with it. We gotta. What's going on here? If you just go to your mom's, they're gonna think we're crazy. And uh, she said, "I'm just so tired. I've got to get some sleep." I said, "What's wrong?" And so what? What had happened was when Heather and I were dating, she she asked me all kind of questions, strange questions, and they've never stopped. But she says, uh, what time do the kids go to bed? This was a legitimate question. This was not strange. So legitimate. I think Hannah was three or four. She was three when we started dating. And so Stephen would have been about six. Mm -hmm. And so I said, oh, I put them to bed every night at 8.30. <laughs> Between 8.30 and 9, they go to bed. Well, what I didn't tell her, because you don't, you don't always tell everything. Grandma? I didn't lie. I just didn't think about it. I put them to bed at 8.30, but every night, somewhere around 11 to 1 a.m., 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., they like to get up and just come get in the bed with me. I left that part out. So. And we had a much smaller bed then, too, I'll say. Yeah, we've got a king-size bed now. We had a queen-size bed then. So I'm one of those people I, like, most of the time when I'm asleep, I, I'm like I'm in a coffin. <laughs> I'm just straight. And you know, I start flipping every now and then, uh, but most of the time I'm just straight. So uh, I get in one little part of the bed. Well, so the kids are coming in in the middle of the night. I don't even realize it because I'm out to the world. And they've been, you know, Hannah's kicking uh, Heather in the back. <laughs> Steven's twirling her hair till he can fall back asleep. And they both slept like monkeys, just so you know. Yeah, so they have kept her up all week, and I don't know anything about it. I'm sleeping like a baby. And uh, she's going on about six hours of sleep over five days. And so she's just, she's going to go home to mom. She can't take anymore. <laughs> and and said, come home, baby, just come home. <laughs> 
So I said, Heather, you can't leave. Why didn't you tell me you weren't getting any sleep? I'll, I, you know, I'll talk to the kids. I'll, I'll handle this. And uh, she says, okay. <laughs> I, said, I can't take anymore. So I said, <laughs> I said okay. So I go and I, I meet with the kids. And sometimes, you know, you've got to exaggerate a little bit to get a kid's attention. And so I said, hey, look, here's the deal. Y'all can't come get in the bed anymore. And, uh, yeah, why? I said, because if you do, mom's leaving and she's never coming back. <laughs> so they, never, they didn't. They didn't get back in the bed. Another, they said, okay, Dad. They didn't get back in the bed another time. And uh, Hannah's 19 and Stephen, well, about to be 19 this week, and Stephen's 21. So, so far, they're doing, doing uh, pretty good with it. But she didn't know. She was in over her head. And it was the smallest thing. And sometimes it's the, just like we're talking with the children of Israel, the smallest thing, they wanted to turn back. The smallest thing, they were ready to throw in the towel. And it was the same thing here because that's what happens when you jump into something you're not ready for. And so sometimes we don't know what we're getting ourselves into, but God does. He wasn't about to send His chosen people into something they weren't ready for without sending the right person to lead them along the path. And that's why God sent you me. I know, so they have, like, basically your Moses and my promised land. Pretty much. <laughs> you said it, the not last, me. <laughs> last time you were God, so I guess this is pretty good. So God decided to take a baby and send him down the Nile to the palace to be raised as royalty. He was raised to believe that nothing was impossible. He was raised to think that nothing was outside of his reach. God took the son of a slave to be raised as royalty in the palace so that his entire DNA and thought process was different because he didn't think as a slave. You try telling a royal prince, no, he's going to, you know, that's not going to go over well. He thought as a royal son. He believed that the impossible was always possible. That was his first in instinct, that his answer was yes, and it's possible. It's kind of like that scripture that says yes and amen. We're supposed to say yes and amen. As sons and daughters, that is supposed to be our instinct, that the impossible is possible. Yes and amen. Moses' belief system was what God knew his children would need in order to lead them out of Egypt and into the promised land. God knew the miracles that were coming, the things that were going to happen, the impossibilities that were just going to be part of their everyday lives that wouldn't compare to anything they had ever seen. See, it would have been impossible for the small-minded thinking of people that have been told no for 400 years. Everything, no. Anything you want to do, no. How are they going to accept the giant yes that God was about to lay out before them? And we, we face the same thing in our lives with what we go through, with what our past tries to tell us and what the enemy tries to tell us. And a lot of times, God's screaming yes, and we keep, it, we keep believing the answer's no. Right. But see, Moses was different. He grew up in a world that was his with no impossibilities. See, there's, there's different types, types of thinking that people have, and it's not necessarily that they're bad people. It's good, saved people that love God, but it's just this way of thinking because they're, they're not being true sons and daughters and being kingdom-minded. Um, the, the church, Rivers of Living Water, where Bishop Johnny Revere is at now, it used to be on uh, Hope Mills Road. It was called Cumberland Church of God, and uh, right beside Cumberland Mills um, Elementary School. Now, <clears throat> my uncle was the pastor there for 
well, 30 years, I guess, but uh, he's the one who moved it from there to Bingham Drive. Uh, before him, my grandfather pastored there for uh, a little over 18 years. And they were always having to do a new building program. And they finally ran out of land, and that's why they had to move. But the story behind it that I've always been told and heard was when they originally were going to build that church, the, uh, the community, the town, gave them the land. And they told the, the, the pastor at the time, uh, they told him, said, just walk off how much land you think you guys need for, for the church. And if you ride by that school, you'll see the area of land that he walked off. He could have walked off as much as he wanted, but that's all that he walked off. I wonder how much land Moses would have walked off. He probably would have just kept right on walking. He would have owned that whole corner all the way down to, down to Bingham Drive and, and all of that stuff. Because it's a different way of thinking. It's the mindset of being that son or daughter versus being that, that slave. And so here we have the children of Israel, and they've got Pharaoh's army behind them, and the Red Sea's in front of them. And so this gets us to the question of the message of what's making you move. In the chapter that, that Heather read for us, uh, we see that as soon as, as soon as Pharaoh's army was coming after Israel, some of the Israelites, they're already complaining. They're already afraid. They're asking Moses why he brought them out there to die and all this stuff. So we know that there was some fear in the camp. They were afraid. And so then God, God parts the Red Sea, and the children of Israel were able to cross safely. But I can't help but wonder, as they were beginning to move across, how many of them were moving because of them seeing the hand of God at work and having faith in what God was getting ready to do for them, and how many of them were moving just because of fear of the enemy? Yeah. Moving because they were just afraid because Pharaoh's army was getting closer behind them. See, for them to have been complaining earlier, we know that some of them had to be moving out of fear. Well, because of the attitudes they kept having over and over, we know that they were moving out of fear. And see, it's the same way in our lives today and many of us as believers. There's a lot of people that they're not living the abundant life that Jesus has provided because they live a life out of fear, even a good life. They do a lot of the right things. They, they're good people. They try to do everything the right way. But it's the wrong motivation because it's a motivation of, of fear. See, are we focused on what God's doing or are we focused on what He's not doing? Are, are we sons and, and, and daughters of God uh, that are moving because He's moving or are we just moving out of fear of the enemy? Are we moving because we trust God or are we moving because of what the enemy's doing, what He might do or what He's threatening that He's, he's going to do? And I'll be the first one to admit it that there have been many times that... I've been moving completely out of fear. You know, there have been many times in my life, even while I'm serving God and trying to serve God, that when I take a step back and look at it, it was out of fear. I'm doing the right thing out of fear that if I don't, the enemy might get his hooks into me. I might be deceived. I might fall. I might, uh, all these different things, instead of realizing that I should be serving him with joy and with gladness and enthusiasm about all the amazing things that he has planned for me to do for the kingdom of God, the adventures he has for, for my life. See, just like the children of Israel, we've been in this bondage for way too long. We serve a God who does the impossible. And because of that, we need to change the way that we've been thinking so that our focus is on him and the life that, that he brings. Because when it comes down to it, a slave's reflex is fear. 
But a son's reflex is supposed to be faith. Which reflex is making us move? Which reflex do we have? And I, to Aaron's point, and I had never thought about this until we started thinking about how the children of Israel actually felt and what was influencing them in their decisions. And when it says in chapter 14, it says, um, then the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all the night. So it says, so one did not come near the other. I always thought about that as a protection for the children as far as what the Egyptians were going to do to them. I never really thought about the fact that it could have just as well been to keep them from going back to their oppressor. You, have you ever thought about that? Like their, their fear was so heavily influencing them that I think that sometimes in our lives we consider roadblocks to be just things of the enemy, but sometimes those are protective things in our lives that are keeping us from going back to old habits, that are keeping us from going back to old lifestyles or things that we instinctively, because it's familiar, you can't tell me they wanted to stay a slave, but it was familiar. Sometimes the familiar woos us into thinking that that's how it's always supposed to be, but it's not. So sometimes, I mean, be encouraged. Sometimes those roadblocks or those changes in your life, those suddenlies that happen that may not necessarily be what you planned can actually be God's way of protecting you from going back to something you shouldn't go back to. And I had never thought about it that way. So um, when Aaron was talking about these things about reflexes and about the children of, of Israel and stuff, I thought about the Garden of Eden and the trees in the garden. Now, for so many of us, all the stories we've probably heard about, we focus so largely on the tree of good and evil. That's where everything happened, right? That's where sin originated. That's where everything changed. We get so caught up in that, we forget all about the tree of life. Now, you see the tree of life, it's available for all of us. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice that he gave because that's a gift that we all can have. And if you're in here and you have not received that, it is free to you to receive now. But oftentimes, even after accepting that gift of salvation, we are living like the only tree that we still know about is the tree of good and evil. We get so wrapped up in the do's and the don'ts and having a legalistic mindset, just so afraid of sin, just so afraid that we completely forget about the abundant life that God wants us to have. You're his child. If he wants it for me, he wants it for you. They, there's, there's, there's only impossibilities to become possible in your life that he wants to show you. There's so much more of him that cannot be contained within the box of rules and regulations called religion. Yeah, when it comes to the trees in the garden, I, may, I think I may have mentioned this before, but we get this just to, just to show the way we think about things. We get so um, aggravated with Adam and Eve. Do you ever get upset with Adam and Eve for the choice that they made? And when we do that, we're actually making the same choice. Because when you look at the two trees, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when you have a knowledge of good and evil, it gives you the ability to judge. You know right from wrong. And the tree of life uh, ultimately is basically you could also call the tree of love. And every day, each and every one of us have that same decision to make that they made in, that, in the garden. You can choose the tree of life, which is to love and to do the things that God has told us to do, or you can choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and judge those that are around you. Judge it, judge every situation, have a, have a spirit of judgment 
upon you. And see, it, so many times we get frustrated with what they do, just like we do with what other people did, instead of realizing it's still our choice what we're going to choose. Are we going to choose to walk in the love of the Father? Are we going to choose to walk in the judgment that the enemy wants to trip you up into choosing just like he did them? And see, that's why just like the children of Israel, we need to change the way that we think about things. See, for far too long and far too often, the way that we think has just, it's limited ourselves and it's also limited what God does in our lives. In Luke 17, verses 5 through 6, it says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled out by the roots and be planted by the sea, and it would obey you. Now, in this scripture, a few verses before this, he's talking about forgiving. Okay? And we talk a lot about that here. We talked about it last week, about it even being a key to having an expectation of revival that we need to forgive. We must forgive. And so then after he tells them to forgive, that's when they ask him, increase our faith. And he tells them this about the mustard seed, that if you have faith the size of the mustard seed, you can speak to the mulberry tree and it'll be pulled up by the roots and it'll be, it'll be done. And we also know that in Matthew, when he talks about faith the size of a mustard seed, it says that you can move mountains. Okay, so these, these scriptures, I don't know about you, but when I've read them before and I think about times where I prayed for things in my life that didn't happen or think about things going on in my life right then, I'll have this thought come to me and I'll just say, man, my faith must not even be the size of a mustard seed. <laughs> Maybe you've thought that way. Man, I must have some pretty small faith because uh, I haven't moved any mountains and I haven't told any bushes to be pulled up and it happened lately. But I don't believe that's what Jesus was saying. He wasn't criticizing their faith. He was trying to get them to change the way that they were thinking. See, the problem wasn't a lack of faith. The problem was, was unbelief. And I, I preached a whole message on this um, a few months ago. See, the disciples, they asked for more faith, but Jesus was saying, you have enough faith, but you need to change your mind about some things. There's some belief systems that you've got operating that aren't benefiting you at all. And see, that's why we need the renewed mind. That's why we need to be transformed by the Word of God. It's why it's so important in the life of every single believer. Jesus was saying, you don't necessarily need more faith because faith the size of a mustard seed can do the miraculous. But you do need a renewed mind. See, we need to expect the impossible. There are, maybe you've seen this as well, or maybe you've done this before, but uh, people, they get a diagnosis from the doctor that they don't like, or maybe it's even a really bad diagnosis. Maybe it's even terminal. And they'll say, I'm not going back to the doctor again. I'm just believing God for a miracle. And uh, some people that works out really well for some, others it doesn't. And I would never encourage anyone either way other than if God told you to do something, I'm not going to tell you any different. You just better make sure it was God. Uh, but they'll, they'll have this, it seems like this strong faith, right? They're like, I'm, I'm believing God's going to heal me. And uh, I believe God heals. I believe I don't need that medicine because God has the power to heal. And it's, it's a strong faith in God, but do they really believe that he's going to heal them? See, that's, that's faith, but it's not necessarily a renewed mind. There's a difference because if I were to say uh, maybe I've got a bad back or something and I, and I just come straight up to you and I say, I want you to pray for my back that God will heal me. 
Well, I believe from the bottom of my heart that if I ask you, do you believe God has the power to heal? And you say, yes, I believe you. I believe that you have that kind of faith in God. And I believe if I said, do you, do you believe if someone were to, if you pray for someone that the God has the power to heal them? Yeah, I believe. It. Oh, I believe you believe that too. But most people, they don't believe that when they pray for me that anything's going to happen. They don't really, they have all this faith in God, but they don't really believe that he'll use them. They don't really believe that his power would flow through them. They don't really, uh, I hope I'm getting the point across here. You see what I'm saying with that? They have this faith in God, but that doesn't mean they have the proper belief system. Sometimes you can be praying in faith all you want and be partnering with the wrong belief system and you're never going to get the results. You have to change the way you think. You have to have a renewed mind. You have to be transformed by the word as it reveals to you that God does want to do miracles through you, that you do have enough faith and that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you. And it can be released as you pray for other individuals that are that are in need. See, you can speak and even step out in faith and still be filled with unbelief. Hosea 4 verse 6 says that we perish because of a lack of knowledge. Now, to me, knowledge goes right with the renewed mind because uh, as, we, as we know now more than any time in the world, you can have all kinds of information and have zero knowledge. There, everybody that you come in contact with, they have more information at their disposal than we've ever had at any time in human history. And you're not going to get five miles down the road without seeing there are some really not very smart people driving in Fayetteville. <laughs> And anywhere else that you go, there's like a lot of people that they, they, do, they have zero knowledge. They have all kinds of information. So to me, it's the same thing that the, the, the knowledge there is the renewed mind because knowledge is kingdom thinking and it's kingdom living. And see, the church and believers are perishing and we're, we're, we're failing and we're falling not because of a lack of faith. It's a lack of knowledge. See, when we have a renewed mind and we change the way we think, that's when we will see that our faith is enough. That's when we will not only have faith of what God can do, that we'll actually believe that He wants to do it through us. And not only will we move mountains, but we'll change the world. That's good. I mean, even the world seems to know this. I mean, they talk about how patients who believe that they're going to make it through surgery have such a higher statistic of making it through surgery than those who don't believe that they're going to make it. What you believe, it's so important. And, and that's all about the renewed mind. And we're, new, we're renewing our mind by the scriptures, by the word of God, by Holy Spirit, by worshiping him in spirit and in truth. I mean, that's how you renew your mind. And, and sometimes we get lost in that. But, but renewing our mind is so important because what we believe dictates everything that we do. And it's just like a scripture that I, I've gone back to Hebrews 3, 18 through 19, and it says, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So they're talking about the children of Israel, referencing them. They're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They came out of Egypt. They saw signs and wonders. The Lord doing miraculous things on their behalf, feeding them every day. Miracles were a part of their everyday life, but this whole generation was unable to enter into the promised land. And it says because of unbelief. You see, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, you have faith because you believe in what you do not see. They saw plenty, right? 
So faith wasn't their issue. It was their belief system. That's why they couldn't enter in, because of unbelief. The scripture is clear. You see, unbelief is at the center of a lack of kingdom living. If you are not seeing kingdom in your everyday life, the first question should be, what am I believing? We have to change the way that we think. It's very important. We have to change the way we think because it'll change the way we see, we feel, we speak, we respond about everything. And we will begin to move in response to the Father. So I have a question for y'all. Raise your hands if you feel like you have enough faith. Anybody? You should have all raised your hands. <laughs> the scripture says... Well, we need to get back to page one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting all over. Um, the scripture says he's given us all a measure of faith. Who has given us all a measure of faith? God. God has given us all a measure of faith. And who in here believes that God does not give good gifts? That he gives you in halfies? That he won't give you enough? Like, here's just a little bit, but I'm not going to give you what you need. No, the Lord has given us all a measure of faith, the faith that we need for our everyday life. So the question is, if you are going and you're praying for someone to see a need met or healing or, or something like that, what is often the first question if you don't see the results of what you've prayed for? What's your first question usually? I didn't have enough faith. You, you start looking internally at yourself. It's me. I'm a, I didn't have enough faith to see this be done. But that's not true. That's what the enemy wants you to think. What you should be asking, what we should be asking, what we want to propose to you is that maybe the reason that we're not seeing the results we're praying for is perhaps because we're not thinking the right way. Because instead of saying, I didn't have enough faith, maybe we should be praying to the Lord and saying, God, what is there in my belief system that needs to change? What is there that I'm thinking, that I'm believing, that I'm reinforcing in my everyday life that's causing this to be the result that I see, as opposed to what I know your desire is for me to see in my life? It's huge. It's so important because, I mean, it's just crazy to think that, I mean, I haven't seen a C part before my very eyes. I haven't stepped on a dry ground. I haven't seen the cloud by day, the fire by night. I haven't seen those things. They did. They had the faith because they saw it. It wasn't the faith that probably was the issue. I think that the faith was their, the, the problem was their unbelief. What they were believing. If we change the way that we think, if we allow the word of God to reinforce the right belief system in our lives, I believe that things will start to change. So here, who here feels like you have enough faith? <laughs> they did not want to hear this message again. <laughs> no, it's just, Heather just did that to make the point of how easy it is to realize, hopefully you all realize how important it is to change a belief system. That you can be a good person at church on Sunday morning and just been worshiping your heart out and just you give extravagantly in the offering and do everything there is to do and still have that something there that you need to just shift. And it can be the smallest thing that can make such a huge difference in your life. It's not that you're not saved. It's not that you don't love God. It's just that you need a renewed mind. And it's something that you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
It's a constant thing for all of us. And that is we, if we can stay open-minded to that. And, uh, you know, I had a friend of mine that um, he was, he, he called me upset a little bit about, uh, he he's beating himself up for being skeptical about things when it comes to church. And I just told him, I said, it's okay to be skeptical as long as you keep an open mind. And it, believe it or not, it seemed to help, it seemed to alleviate his stress that he was going through. But it's the same thing. We, you, you, as far as being skeptical, that's just completely always going to be negative. You have some people, they'll believe anything anybody tells them. That can get you as far off in left field as it can be if you're skeptical about everything. It's about being balanced and letting the Word of God renew your mind and letting the Word of God lead you into all truth and lead you into what Holy Spirit wants to, wants to reveal to you so that you can accomplish everything He has for you to do for His glory and for His kingdom. And that's what we want for everyone here. Uh, we want to see you do amazing things for the kingdom. We want to see you succeed in everything. We want to see you discipling uh, discipling others. And so we want to pray for you uh, and just kind of uh, pray about that or release that this morning, however you want to phrase that. And, and uh, so if you would just bow your heads. God, we just thank you for your presence in this place. And God, we just repent right now for all the times that we've moved out of fear instead of out of faith and a belief in you and your word. God, I just thank you for every person that's here. I thank you for every open heart that received your word today, God. And Lord, I just pray that it would bear much fruit. God, that we would just begin to live our lives in a way that we realize, Lord, not only is our faith in you, God, but we're allowing you to shape our belief system so that you can work through us and so that others can see how amazing you are and how wonderful it is to be a son and a daughter and not have to go through life as a slave. So God, I pray for every person here that you would begin to empower them, Lord, and they, they would open their hearts to you and their minds to your word, God, to be renewed, to be open to, to what you have for them to learn or to relearn or to unlearn, whatever it needs to be done, God. And Lord, we just give you the honor and the glory and praise for it all. And we just bless every person and family represented here today. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.